Well, good morning. Yeah, welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build generational transformational disciples of Jesus. I'm Pastor Aaron. I know all of you guys, which is fantastic for our friends online. I'm glad you joined us here today as we begin a new series, Family Matters. And as uh, Michael just told us, yes, it's about building healthy habits for, for good homes. And that's what we want to have. Last uh, month, we focused in on families and really that transformed series of being generational transformational disciples starts with God transforming us all the way through even from the very core of who we are from our gender all the way then through our families and the generations that come uh, and uh, as was pointed out today uh, so wonderfully that yes the church is a family that God has designed us into that's how he transforms the world the church reflects him in a very unique way to the rest of the world but as all of us know uh, just because you can be family doesn't mean that you are healthy. Uh, there are healthy homes, and there are, are not healthy homes, and then most homes are somewhere a mishmash in the middle, right? And what we want to be, uh, for as Christians, we want to reflect God well. We want to have healthy homes. We also want the church to be healthy. We want to grow towards that kind of health. And so for the next month, what we're going to be doing is going into Scripture, and we're going to be focusing on four habits that we find in Scripture that are there, how God teaches us these are habits that we need to form to have a healthy home and healthy, a healthy church. And that's what we'll be doing. Now, our uh, memory verse for this, uh, this series, it comes from, from 1 John chapter 4. One of my favorite passages, because it reminds me when I'm feeling uh, surly, uh, this one right here, that uh, anyone who loves God, which I do, must also love their brothers and sister, which I do. So uh, sometimes there's choice into that, and sometimes there's attitude adjustments that are necessary, but... We have to love one another. We're talking about how we do that. So here's a great passage. It's something that helps me get that right frame of mind. I share it with you. Uh, here you go. Say it along with me just a few times. We'll get in the message. Three, two, one. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. First John 4, 21. All right, again. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 1 John 4.21, and one more time to lock it in. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 1 John 4.21. Awesome. Now, we all know that loving uh, our brother and sister is something that takes kind of an action, right? So let's look at what uh, that would be. Turn your Bibles to uh, John chapter 13. Now, this is the Gospel of John, not 1 John, where we just memorized from but the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John was written by John, the apostle, who uh, was the youngest of the apostles, walked with Jesus, all this kind of stuff. By the time we get to the 13th chapter of his Gospels, he writes down what Jesus did and all those things in his life. The 13th chapter, we begin at the final supper, right? The last supper. This is a time where Jesus has gathered his disciples. He's going to get ready to go to the cross the next day. He knows what's happening. They don't know what's happening quite yet, but this is where we pick up the story with Jesus. We're going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read you the first 11 verses, and then we'll get into uh, maybe a habit that we can begin to form that uh, helps us to have a healthy home. Here we start in verse 13. It says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Well, then, Lord Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew that the one who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. It's an interesting passage that we get there. And we read this story, and it seems so out of context. One, it's the Last Supper, right? It's a very important meal. The timing of everything that happens here, Jesus knows his time is running out. He was going to make the most of every opportunity in the midst of this. The next thing you read in here is that, read that Jesus was fully aware of his power and position before he did this very strange act. He knew that God had placed everything under his control. He is the emperor of emperors right? Everything, heaven, earth, angels, demons, everything under his control. He has all authority on heaven and on earth. There is no one higher than him. And so what does he do? The one thing that a person in control and in power would never do in their culture. Once he was in full possession of all of his authority, he takes a bowl of water And he puts on a towel, and he does the work of the lowest of the slaves. He washes his disciples' feet, which is why Peter reacts so strongly. Like, you're not going to wash my feet. Peter knew who Jesus was. He saw him transfigured. He's like, you are God. He's like, God is not going to wash my feet. Jesus, you are not a slave. And Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm doing. There's a purpose to this. But I'm showing you something. In this moment, Jesus teaches us something profound. He shows us that in his family, there is going to be an attitude that has to be there that no one is above. And it's the attitude of service. It's a habit of service. That God's people need to be a people of serving. That's who we are. To follow our Lord, nobody is above it. Now, this wasn't the only time Jesus taught his disciples this message. If you remember the Gospel of Matthew, you have uh, John and his brother, they, they go to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, when you go to your throne, right, when you finally put everything, you know, you come in all your power and all that, we want to be your right-hand guys. Right? We want to have the seats of authority next to you. We want to be like vice president and vice vice president. That's who we want to be. Right? We want to have power, right? Because we're your buddies, right? We're your pals. And how does Jesus answer them that? Well, in Matthew verse chapter 20, he says, it's not so with you. Right before that, he says, you know, the people of this, uh, why am I skipping a slide? Jesus called them together. He called all the disciples together. He says, oh, here's a teaching opportunity. Calls them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and the higher officials exercise authority over them? Right? Isn't that the way the world works? People get authority. They, they climb the ladder. They get to the top. They're the CEO. They're the senior pastor. Right? They're the leader of the Bible study. Right? They're the, the boss or the head of the club. Right? Whatever. They get authority so they can lord the things over. They can get their way. That's what they want. This is the way the world works. 
And then he goes on to say, but not so with you. You don't get authority to get your own way. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And there Jesus takes on that prophetic name given Daniel, the the Son of Man, the the prophesied one, the God himself who shows up. (laughs) He says, I am not above serving. And if you're going to be my followers, you're going to serve. If you want to be great, then you have to learn how to serve. And then the Last Supper, he punctuates it. A demonstration of what that means. It's very easy to say, hey, we should serve one another. It's an entirely different thing to get a bowl of water and to wash people's stinky feet. He teaches it. He demonstrates it because it's important. The way of Christ is a way of service. And why is that such a big deal to Jesus? Because we're not supposed to be like this world. Right? We're, we're not supposed to be the way that this world always op- operated in the past, right? This is not how we want to be. Jesus didn't come to build an alternate kingdom that just mimics or mocks the brokenness that we've set up as humanity. He's called us to a better kingdom and a better family and a better way of life. That is why when you read on into this, uh, verse 12, it says, When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes and returns to his place. And he says, Do you understand what I have done for you? And he asked them, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. See, I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you that no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus set us an example of service. Very clearly. I don't think there's a whole lot of gray area in this. If we're going to follow Jesus, we follow him into the position and the path of servitude. This is part of the way that the kingdom of God operates. Very different than the way the world works, which is pretty great. And I think one of the reasons that God gives us and why service is such an important deal to Jesus is that service is the antidote to pride. Right, right there, it's the antidote to pride. It's, it's the opposite of pride in a lot of ways. If you think about what pride is, pride is self-centeredness at its core, isn't it? It's self-worship. We, we worship whatever we, we revolve around, Right? Whatever's at the core of our life, whatever is at the core of our schedule, that's what we worship. Whatever is the core of our finances, that's what we're worshiping. Whatever is at the core of all of our energies, that's what we're worshiping, right? To the core of our life. And if that thing, if all of my time and all of my talent, all of, all of my treasure, all my money, everything is about making my life better, it's all about me, I am self-centered. Pride. And pride is what caused the whole problem to begin with. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. Life was, they were in paradise. Everything was good, right? They were at the first true all-inclusive resort, right? Everything was there for them. But they wanted to make it about them. They said, I want to make this about me. I want to decide what I want to do with what, what I think is good, what I think is right. It's all about me. And pride caused them to have that first sin. Pride is at the core of basically all of our rebellion, but it's also at the core of most of our frustration. 
You see, when I become a kingdom unto myself, I go to war to the kingdom of yourself. Because rarely do you want to serve me. Which is why we have so many troubles. It's our culture. I mean, just look at the last election. Because we see people wanting to have authority so they could lord things over, get their way to regardless of what's good for other people. And so we say horrible things to other people when other people don't do what we want them to do. We think awfully about them. We carry that into our households, by the way, pride. Which is why so many houses have so much struggle. See, pride makes it about me and it makes service then demeaning. I tell someone to serve me because I'm going to get my way and I'm going to force them to do my will. And nobody wants to be demeaned. Which is why you, know, you have things like, get me a sandwich, you better go do those dishes and all those kinds of things. You're not asking someone to serve, you're commanding them to do your will and that's why it's awful. It's why we have brokenness in our homes. When you demand others serve me, the focus is on me. And they're going to resent that and oftentimes they're going to demand you serve them and as whoever has the most power gets their way and then our homes are filled with awfulness and war and fights and dissension and anything but joy. And that same thing can come into the family of faith too. Haven't we seen it operate that way? Service changes that. When I step out of my pride bubble, and I seek what's best for you, not what's best for me. When I serve you and I recognize I'm not doing it because I'm less than, I'm doing it because I'm following God who is greater than, I am entering into a space that myself is no longer centered in. I'm entering into a space in which I am no longer walking in pride. I am now entering in a space where I can actually choose another's good above my own. And do you know what we call that when we choose other people's good above our own? Love. That's what love is. Scripture says we know what love is because Jesus demonstrated while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He chose us above himself. That is love. Which is why service isn't just the antidote to pride. Service is love in action. And today if it says anybody loves God, they must love their brothers and sisters. This is important. You can have service without love, right? We can do that. You can begrudgingly do something for somebody else because you have to. And if you treat people poorly, they will begrudgingly do what you tell them to do because they must, right? So you can have service without love, but you cannot have love without service. It's impossible. When I serve you, when I'm doing something for you because it's simply for your good, not because of what I get out of it, that is love. It's love put into practice. Just like faith has to have something, an expression, as it says in James, faith without some type of expression, without works is useless. Love without service is worthless. So we need to be a people of service. We need to grow in that, to serve one another. How do you do that? Well, to build a culture of service, right, to have a, the, your home or the church to have this culture of service, which is kind of part of it, we recognize that culture doesn't just a poof, imagine, like just appear, right? We're working against the pride within each of us, right? The wars in which all the stuff, we, all the gunk and the sin that we have in our lives and all the selfishness that we work through, right? We have to learn a new way. We have to be transformed, 
right? To have this culture then, we have to learn a, a different kind of lifestyle. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's not a transformational discipleship process. That's what's following the Lord because he teaches us slowly how to do it. And as we follow the Lord, right, to have that lifestyle, that lifestyle is built upon new habits that God gives us, a new way of living, a better way of living, an elevated way of living. So how do you build the habit of service? It's simple and hard. The, the, the first thing we want to do as we build our, our habit of service is that we start with where we're at. You serve one another through your role. It's why we started last sermon. You know that the sermons are supposed to like make sense as they build because we're growing in Christ, right? So last series, we talked about transformed and our roles and who God made us to be. Start with who he made you. Serve within the areas of the positions that God gave you to serve within. If you're a wife, serve your husband by honoring him. If you're a husband, serve your wife by loving her, laying your life down for her. If you are a parent, serve your children by raising them up in a way that benefits them and grows them and provides for them, right? If you're a child, serve your parents by honoring them and obeying them, right? If you are a leader in the church, serve your people by laying your life down for your flock, caring for them, praying for them, right? Making decisions of the church helps them grow better. If you are a member of the church, you are a minister in the church, serve your church by one, following your leadership, but also using your gifts and serving our community. (laughs) Serve in your role, start there. All of us have many roles in our life that we fill. Some of them biblical, like husband, wife, or parent, child. Some of them are just part of our society. Some of us are are in positions of authority in the government or in our businesses and things like this. Don't lord your authority over those that are underneath you. Use your authority to serve the people in which work for you. Make decisions that benefit those who you are, are called to lead. If you are not in a position of authority, you're not a business owner, you're not in government, you're not in anything, use your position to, to honor and to pray for and to make it, uh, the, the, those that are in leadership, their lives better. Use your role. If you're an employee, be the best employee ever. Doesn't it say in Scripture, do everything like we're working directly for God? Because you are, it's not just like you're working for God, like you are working for God. Wherever you're at, start. Isn't that empowering? We can begin now. The lowest of the servants to the, to the highest official can all follow Christ into the position of a servant. And it's not a lowly position to serve. We're following Jesus. In fact, Ephesians 5, it's important for us to remember that as Scripture begins to talk about our roles in family, Right? Before it even says husbands and wives and children right? and employees, this is how we we're supposed to treat each other. It starts with this particular, very important phrase, submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. Submission is not an issue of authority. It's an attitude of, of service. We are to live our lives for the benefit of others. Why can we do that? Because God lived his life for our benefit. There is nothing you can give to anybody else in this world that outmatches what Jesus has already given you. You've give, he's given you life. He's given you hope. He's given you peace. He's given you security. right? But he's also given you crazy riches. Right? He's given you amazing purpose. 
He's given you more love than you'll ever be able to throw out to the rest of the world. And it's all stuff that's locked away, fine for you. You can't lose it. So we follow the example of our Lord. I don't serve you because I always like you. Although I'm blessed, I do like you. But that's not why I do it. I serve you because my Lord and Savior first served me. And he set an example for me. Right? I serve my staff, not because I'm the greatest boss, but I genuinely try to serve my staff, meet their needs where they're at, because my Lord and Savior served me. He's my CEO, and he laid his life down for me. I serve my wife and my son, not because I'm always feeling like I really want to, although genuinely I want to because they're awesome. I serve them because my Heavenly Father serves me. He gives me everything I need, and he's the one who's on the throne who's to be worshipped and is worshipped by thousands of countless angels. Submit to one another then out of your reference for Christ. This is the call to Christianity. This is the call for us to be able to change, transform ourselves, and be a transformed people. It saves our families. Which is why then we don't just serve in our role, we, we serve one another through our actions. It's not just a mental ascent. The worst kind of Christianity is a Sunday school Christianity that stays in the Sunday school classroom. It's the worst kind that you come to church and say, well, uh uh-huh, yep, 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 and then we never change. We should be a markedly different people. Right? We, should, we, should, we should have such a transformation in our hearts that the, that the way the brokenness world is in incongruity with, with who we are in our very nature such that we can't live like everyone else. Not just that we won't live like everyone else, we just can't. We live a better way, naturally. That's what God does in us, what Hebrews says. God rewrites his law in our hearts. This is the call of service for us. First John, I love this passage. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, with actions and in truth. We want to put our service into action, which means that we serve. And scripture, another way we call that is ministry. When I choose to invest my talents into the goodness of another person, my energies, my efforts, because of my faith, I am following Jesus' example. I am serving, not because I get something from it, but because I am following my Lord. That is ministry. Ministry can be as simple as changing out the toilet paper roll in your house because no one else will do it without being asked or taking out the garbage. That can be ministry. Ministry can be shoveling your neighbor's walk. Ministry can be a smile to a person that you know is going and it's down. It's a phone call to a person that's going through a hard time. That could be ministry if you're doing it as an expression of your faith. We are called to be ministers. Not just at certain times and certain spaces that we do particular things. We are whole life ministers into this world. People of service that don't have a definite time. Well, now I'm going to go serve. No, my life is service. This is what we do with our actions. So parents, think about how are you serving your children? Are there ways that you are choosing to lay yourself down for them to grow them up? Children, think about how you're serving your parents. Are there ways that you are honoring them with your actions, with your words? Husbands and wives, are you serving one another? Brothers and sisters, we get to serve each other too. The action is what matters, 
But also we have to recognize that you can have service with the wrong attitude and it totally changes them. You ever been to a restaurant where you had a server who came up and just had a bad attitude? Like, here's your dinner. Boom! Right? Did they do their job? Technically. But did they do their job? No. We want to be the kind of people that then not just serve with our actions, but also with our attitudes. To develop the same attitude that Jesus had. Not one that was all full of, well, I'm so high and mighty and you better do my things, right? That wasn't the way. Even though he had equality with God, he didn't grasp it as something like he just had to hold to, like, hey, guys, remember that I'm God. He was God who's comfortable in that. Knowing that he had all things under his authority, what did he do? He took a basin of water and a towel and he washed his disciples' feet. Our attitude needs to grow like Christ. Now, attitudes usually follow actions, but as you do the actions, as you begin to serve, as you're doing it, check the heart. If the heart is like, I don't want to do this, I don't like this person, let God work in your heart. It's a great opportunity to say, Lord, I'm glad you don't have that attitude towards me. I certainly have it right now. Help me change this. Begin to pray for the person or to be grateful for something they have done. Or grateful for the opportunity to follow Christ in how you serve. Remember, we can always have service without love. But we should always make sure that our service is filled with love as Christians. Philippians 2 goes here. It says, in your relationships with another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus by taking the very nature of a servant. Remember in all of this, brothers and sisters, as we build this habit of service, we are following Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple. We follow him. You are learning a new way that's different than everything else in the world. Everyone else is going to look at you and say, this guy's weird, right? Your employees might be like, what? Your students might be like, hey, well, this is strange. Why is my teacher serving me, right? Husbands and wives, people are going to look at your family and be like, there's something not right about them. They serve one another and they're happy, gosh darn it. Why? Because you love one another with your actions. And it should be the same thing here. Let us develop the heart of Christ. Let's begin with service. Next week, we're going to build on that, another habit to grow into it. But this week, we want to make sure that we put that, that heart of service into action. So on your connection cards, I have a couple of things I'm going to challenge you to do. This week, some next steps. Remember that attitudes and actions in your role, all of these things matter, like how we serve within them. But on your connection card, the first thing I'm going to challenge you to do is, is to memorize 1 John 4.21 because service grades against our pride, right? That sin nature that's still there. It tells us I shouldn't have to do this, which is partly true, which is exactly why you need to do it. If you remember that passage, 1 John, if anyone loves God, he must also love his brothers and sisters. Recognize that service is part of your love for God. It's an expression of how we do this. It's how you grow. May that passage be the, the tool that helps you grow into this, to have the oomph that you need to get over the hump, to get outside of that selfish bubble that we've lived in too long so that we can see others and to care for them right where they're at. Something else I'm going to challenge you to do is why don't you read First John? Not the Gospel of John. No, you can do that too if you want, but First John, where that memory verse comes from. 
1 John is a beautiful book. It's a letter that John wrote to the church on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and it talks exclusively about this new command that God has given us to love one another. How does it look like? What does it look like in practice? It's an incredible book. Take some time to read that book this week. In fact, there's like five chapters, so if you want to do like a chapter a day or something, it's a great way of going through it. It'll get you a lot of things to, to think about. It'll give you some, some spiritual food to give you the energy to start serving. It's a really great one. Maybe take some time this week to, to study that. Something else you might want to do is just intentionally start serving in your family. Right? So if you are a family, you have uh, you know, husband, wife, kids like that, then serve one another in that way. If you're grandparents, right, how are you going to serve your grandkids and your children? If you are a single person, you have a church family as well, by the way. But find ways, how are you going to serve? What is it actively that you could look to this week and say, I'm going to do this that I normally wouldn't, and following Christ, I'm going to meet somebody else's needs. And if you can't think of something, ask God. Say, Lord, how would you have me serve? And you know what God does? He will tell you. And when he does that, you better do it. Something else you may want to do is we're going to be starting up again once all of these COVID-type things passes and it's safe, our Say Yes Ministries again. These are designed to help us grow in Christ. It's all about discipleship and helping you learn to worship God. And if you'd be interested to help us as we begin with that, it's going to be things like helping us the greeters or with our children's ministry, which I can't hardly wait to start up again. Our children, our young families so desperately need that, right? Our youth group, right? There's things in the office to do. If you would like us to help you and guide you in this so you can learn to worship God with your talents, let us know. But say, I'm going to say yes to our Say Yes ministry. As we begin launching things up again this year, we'll then be able to contact you and, and to get you started into that. So there's some things for everybody, hopefully, to get you started. All right, if you have a prayer request, please write that down. One of the ways that I get to serve you every week, and I consider it a great privilege, is to pray for you. Phil has joined me in that. Caleb, our intern, has joined in that every week. He found a really cool new app that I'm excited to try out to make sure that I, get, I don't forget even a jot or a tittle of any of your prayer requests, which is really great. Um, write those down so that way we can be praying for you. At the end of the message, there's that box in the back. You can drop your connection cards with your tithes and offerings. If you're online, make sure that you fill that out online. And uh, yeah, let's begin serving together. What a privilege it is. As the worship team gets set up for our final song here, let's just pray uh, a prayer of commitment as we uh, set ourselves to serve God and one another this week. Let's pray. Father God, you are amazing and so unpredictable. Who would have thought that you, who owns everything and made everything and has all the power, would wash our feet and then, if that wasn't enough, a day later, die on a cross for our sins. And if that wasn't enough, that you would raise again, and then you would gift us with your Holy Spirit to indwell in us, a sign and a seal of our redemption, a, a foretaste of the promise of, of our sanctification, and that you would work in our lives to transform us so that we could be more like Christ in our attitudes and our actions. You are an amazing God. You didn't need to do any of this. You were worthy just to be served, but you came to serve us. And you've shown us an elevated, a higher way. Father, God, help us as your church to serve one another out of love and have compassion. Father, in the roles that you have given us, help us to put those into practice, to step out of pride, Father, and into that, that wonderful uh, ministry of serving one another. Father, we've made commitments today to serve Lord, help us to keep those in a way that, that does uh, grow our heart for you and our heart for this church and our heart for our community, that you would be glorified. 
Lord, we pray all of this in the powerful name of our King Jesus. Amen.